Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the weekly podcast from the marketing minds at deconvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. I'm Kevin Oakley, and with me today, as always, is the ad doctor, Andrew Peak. We are here, episode number 23, and I am alive. <laughs> you week. survived. I survived. Tell everyone, tell everyone yeah. what was going on. So last week, or actually it was, uh, let's see, Sunday, Sunday through Sunday, um, my wife was in Honduras on a mission trip, so I was Mr. Mom for the entire week. I did have help. We live down here in Tampa, Florida. We have plenty of family right around the corner, but you know, I had a few hours in the morning at the office, and it was back to the house and shuttling and taxi driver and dinner and breakfast. And oh my, it wore me out. It was. Yeah. Last, last time this happened, I remember getting you a gift card to Grubhub or someplace that would deliver food. (laughs) But this time you were, you were on your own. It's that, that window. That's not a gift card for a whole, whole week. Yeah. A little different. (laughs) 530. Survive. 530 PM to bedtime is the hardest. No doubt. That is the, yeah. And our middle child, um, number two, Micah, he is just, sometimes he just doesn't want to sleep and he's not even being bad. It's like, just go to bed. It'll like, come out. Hi. hi. I'm like, okay, go to bed. I'll just go back to bed. He'll come out an hour later. It's like, it is 1130 at night. What are you doing? It's crazy. But yeah. Oh man. The best is when they come out and you're like, what are you doing? I just wanted to tell you, I love you and give you a hug. Yeah, oh, you're like, oh okay. gosh, <laughs> guilty, guilty, guilty. But it was good. She she had a great time. It was her first year. It was a medical mission trip. My sister actually went as well, and they did women's wellness exams. So all these communities that are hours from the capital in the mountains, over 200 women that they that they did exams on and helped them out. It was it was great. It's it's really cool. It's very uh, humbling to yeah, hear to see sure. what we have versus what they have. It it is insane. Mm-hmm. They're not worried about um, Facebook ad conversions either. Ha- have you? They are not. Have you seen and have you actually seen the movie Mr. Mom? I need to. I've oh, not, there's, I think to. there's a country song and that's where I'm like, oh, Mr. Mom. I, I, it, it's not in my head right now, but I'm like, that's a country song. There so are a it. ton of memes out there, too, and animated GIFs, GIFs um, that that use that movie. It's fantastic. You, you have to. It's right up there with Short Circuit is one of the best movies of the, the mid to late 80s. I do remember seeing Short Circuit. We had a VHS of it and we would just rewatch it as a, as oh, a child. Such a good yeah. movie. Such a good mm-hmm. movie. It's great. All right. On to some story time. So this will be in the notes. There's this video that I saw. It was an ad actually on Reddit. If we're talking about Reddit from last week with mm-hmm. Jackie and ads on Reddit are new. And so they're, they're very native. You're like, oh, it's another thread that started. So this was a Montreal tourism ad and they try to disguise it as like a regular post, but you're like, no, that's an ad. It says it's an ad and you could just read, you know, that's an ad. So there's this video and it's this girl in Montreal who flies through the city on this balloon. And you're like, well, that seems interesting. I'm going to watch this. Like the title, like, you're like, oh, I have to watch this. So you click it to play because that seems interesting. And there's a little mm-hmm. thumbnail that's kind of intriguing. And it takes until like the, I think it's the 23rd second, so 23 seconds in before you actually see anything relating to the title of like balloon, I forgot what they called it, balloon girl or something. And it's like, <laughs> what? Like, 
I waited because I'm like, I'm going to wait and like, maybe this could be something we talk about. We had a couple questions on, on videos this week as well from, from our builder mm-hmm. partners. I'm like, maybe we'll use this for the podcast. I'm like, 23 seconds. And then you start watching it. I'm like, they should have started the video right here. And it shows her getting suited up. And she has like wings that she flaps and there's this balloon. It keeps her like. Yeah, it's very artsy. It's but very artsy. I saw it in the show notes and I was like, I wonder if he's going to say this is a great video or, or not a good video. Because when I look at it, I was, I agree, it takes too long to build up. But even once it starts, it's almost like the agency pitched Montreal and said, we've got this cool idea of this girl with, with old school, yes. like learning how to fly wings from move videos from the, like Leonardo da Vinci is what I think of when I see this. Yeah. Like the little hand-drawn, uh, I don't even know what to call that word. Yeah, exactly. Where it's hand-drawn before the Wright brothers flew. So yeah, they pitched this idea, but like. I would say once once she actually starts flying, a third or more of the screen time is of her flying. And then you're like, okay, are you trying? And this is a tourism video trying to get people to go to Montreal. Mm-hmm. Are you telling me that I can come fly the balloon or like why? I don't understand in terms of it seems like a good cut through the clutter thing. But once you've got the attention, I yes. feel like they should have. She could have they did become not. more of the background than the foreground. Yeah, and they should have had her like the the clip. If you if you don't watch it, 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 sh- it highlights different reasons to go to Montreal. So I was like, look at this, look at this, look at this, and it's super quick. And then it shoots back and forth between like things that you'd see in Montreal and this girl with the uh, that's flying through the air. But they don't sure show her next to any of those things. Yeah, um, I think they should have connected her to each place that is popular to visit somehow. But I think they say like. It's a playground or something like that. So you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, but, they, it. but yeah, it's. I'm trying to find reasons to, to like it, but you know, I'm just click, clicking through here. It shows people playing basketball in Montreal and then looking up shocked. Like there's a, there's a woman flying with a balloon a strapped balloon? to her back. There's a balloon guy girl. delivering flowers who then looks up surprised that there's a balloon girl. Like what is that? That could be any city in the world. It could be yeah. any city. Yeah. I don't, it's I don't. yeah. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird. So <laughs> the story is get, I think the intro, especially on Facebook and Instagram, if this was on Facebook and they started it how it is now, or if they had the revised version where they start it, where it's like, what is this girl doing? Like getting suited up, like all this. Mm-hmm. And like, I think the second version where they go straight to the point of like, here's balloon girl flying through Montreal would have had much better metrics as far as clicks to the site people actually watching more of it staying staying in the video so just get right to the point get to the point my uh my story time is one of our builder partners um we'll we'll plug their podcast so you can we'll put it in the show notes you can go listen to it but they started their own podcast at wonderland homes in denver colorado and you might say to yourself why would a home builder have their own podcast they they are intentionally doing this knowing that they're not going to try to get the entire metro area of Denver to listen to it. Um, but it, it helps them create good content for the site. And so their first episode, they talked about things to think about when going through the moving process, uh, selecting a moving company or moving on your own, the pros and cons, the pros and cons of an inventory home versus um, you know doing a pre-sale and, and making all the selections yourself. It wasn't real long, 15, 20 minutes. Um, but there's a lot of good content that that if you were on their list as a lead and you got an email saying, hey, 
check out this podcast, you might do that. Um, if you even had already purchased from them and then you got to listen to folks who work at the organization you just bought a home from every week, talk about different aspects of the process and the experience, you might gain extra trust uh, with those with those voices from this company that you're doing business with. Mm-hmm. And then they can take all the audio content from that, use a service like rev.com and have it all transferred into copy that then they can add onto an ongoing blog post that has a ton of great keywords and, and density. So it's not just the audio, they're also creating content that can be repurposed for all sorts of different ways. And so I think um, that idea of they are spending a little bit of extra time creating something, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, it's it's like this. I mean, how much total show prep time do we have into this, Andrew? Like uh, eight to much. 10 minutes? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we put we together a Google Doc. It. Yeah. And we throw some stuff on there because this is what we do. So we don't have to figure out, okay, you talk here, or this joke goes there. And they're able to do the same thing. And I think the more that they can make it local too, the better off that they'll be. Oh, yeah. Not just from an SEO standpoint, but from a relatability standpoint of what's going on in Stapleton, you know, this particular area where they do a lot of their their homes. I just think it's a it's a great idea if you can find a way to do it simply and easily and not take up half a day. Um, it's another way to to cut through the clutter and create some great content. Yeah, and I like them. Um, they should you know, cut up different, say, I, for, I forgot how many questions they kind of covered on the, on that last episode, but split it up into like two minutes or three minutes and have that be part of their long-term, you know, email marketing, just throw it in there at the bottom, like quick two minute question. That way it's not like, Oh, 15 minutes. I have to listen to it, but like, Oh, I would like to know the answer to that. And here it is. Well, yeah. Or slice it up and yeah, add it to, I mean, Garrett it. does great video work as well. Voiceover mm-hmm. on top of video or photos as part of Facebook or Instagram. Uh, or YouTube content. So um, yeah. yeah, go check it out. It's called it's Nailing cool. It um, by Wonderland Holmes. I like the name. On to the news. On to the news. It's an event about nothing. And what event are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> well, you, first, let's let's just, for those of you who may be newer to the show, the event about nothing is what we internally call when we do a an event um, for a builder partner that we're promoting an open house or a series of open houses that occur on Saturday and Sunday. And it's, it's about nothing. It's like the Seinfeld uh, show about nothing concept. We're just using social media to give the appearance that this is a special open house weekend when in essence, there is no difference at all really. And so extra balloons, Amazon prime day is kind of an event about nothing. I feel like, except for Amazon's own products. Yes, I agree. Everything else is like, oh, yeah, like it's like, oh, neat. They're like top sellers for this year was the fire stick. I'm like, okay, obviously it was $20. Like <laughs> it better mm-hmm. have sold. It was all their products that had. And what I sale. noticed too, that I thought was smart. Um, one, when I first went on, it was broken. So all I saw was pictures of dogs. I would pull up the app and yep. try to click on something. It would just show me a dog and say, sorry, the site has crashed. So obviously there's a lot of people looking at it. I wonder if they did um, that on purpose, thinking about I had, that. I don't think so. Do you think so. they, you don't think so? Because it, like the urgency of like, oh, what if it like is over and because it's not working, maybe it's not working in Florida or something. I better check back later. I better check back later. I might miss out on 
on the deals. Well, you're talking to someone who missed out because I tried for 10 minutes or so and then I never came back. I was like, forget it. I don't need Mm. to save $5 that much. And I think Bezos is too much of an experience. um, Like he is just fanatical about making the customer experience. I don't think he would allow that to be done purposely, but he had to be mad. Amazon website. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure someone got fired, um, or worse. But what the genius to me was, they started bundling these Amazon products, which were the main things that were deeply on sale. So it was like, hey, check out this. You could save up to thirty percent on a smart light bulb kit, and it was a Hue light bulb from Philips paired with an Amazon Echo that was you know half off, and so the total was thirty percent off if you bought those things, but. I just thought the genius of it to me was them packaging Amazon products connected with these other things that were not really on sale and yep. showing this incredible discount. I thought that was really creative. It was cool. I was I was disappointed in products outside of Amazon. I'm sure you were too, as far as that mm-hmm. goes. Yeah, but I'm sure their Amazon stuff went crazy. I did get a free box of Honey Nut Cheerios. Okay, um, awesome. I guess I did purchase, yeah. Okay. Yeah. My daughter's guitar string snapped and she had a, a lesson the next morning. She didn't tell me until eight o'clock at night when I'm putting the boys to bed. And I'm like, okay, oh, that's no. fine. I'll get on prime now for two hour delivery mm-hmm. and I'm getting my guitar strings. Uh, and it just said, you know, as part of prime day, whatever the heck this is called, get a free box of honey nut Cheerios when you order something in two hours. So I did, there you that go. did happen. What a deal. <laughs> what a deal. Did you eat them yet? <laughs> That's the question. No, I don't. No. Maybe we'll use them as uh, feed for the ducks or something. I don't, my kids are not into honey nut Cheerios. Idea. Not mine. Um, maybe it's intentional, but cereal is a no-no in, in my house with them because it's too messy with their age. And then they just like, we'll eat it once. And then like a month later, why is that box up there? I don't know. Yeah, I do feel like a failure as a parent because my kids hate soggy cereal and I love it. Like I will intentionally put you know, a little bit of milk in the bowl and just let it sit and soak up and make the, that's isn't hilarious. that, that's my favorite. So I feel like I've, I've like failed my kids. Cereal bread pudding. If you're a bread pudding <laughs> fan, if you're not, oh. then, you know, I don't know. I don't know what to do with you. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, right. let's get back to, let's get I'm back hungry. to home yep. building stuff. The, um, the next one, now this was announced late last week, I think, um, right before Inman connect. Uh, but the real estate, um, company Compass, which is a startup that a startup real estate brokerage that is, they have chosen technology as their main differentiating point. It's the reason they exist is they're a technology first real estate brokerage. And they're getting just a ton of press this past week for reinventing the real estate sign for the first time in nearly 50 years. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. And so this particular article that we're looking at is from Fast Company which was the one that I found gave the most specifics about how the sign works. Um, Andrew, what, what, when you look at it first, what are the, what's the first thing that strikes you about why the sign is different? Um, well, it is lighted, lit. What's the mm-hmm. word? I don't know. It has a, a ring yeah. around it. It's uh-huh. circular. It's not, if so, if, I think if we were to go and ask 10 people, hey, draw a for sale sign for a house, they'll pretty much get the right, like a vertical pole and a horizontal supporting beam that's you know perpendicular perpendicular to it and people have the exact same thing this is a circle and it sticks in the ground it's a lot smaller um if you don't see the light out you could miss it maybe 
It kind of reminds Maybe. me it's... of like in trendy downtown areas, like a bike rack thing. Like uh, it's, yeah. it's mm-hmm. powder coated metal, uh, fairly solid looking frame. And then it is a circle with an LED ring. And then inside of it, or almost like a hitching post, like uh, it's like a modern version of a hitching post uh, where you used to tie yes. up your horse, right? Yeah. But inside, in fairly tiny letters, it gives the name of the broker or the agent listing the house, uh, a phone number, and it just says for sale. In like really small um, letters. Like in, yes. The name and is, that's, I think, bigger than everything. Mm hmm. Which we know, and this is, this is a joke, Sean uh carpenter if you're listening um where is the real estate agent's face going to go on the sign that's my first question when i see it when i saw this because it's just black and white with the led ring and text there's no pictures there's no you know lady with a puppy in her arms or it's um, a whole new market uh making accessories for this sign is what it's going (laughs) to be i'm going to do that I will. I'm starting a business. Oh, you better believe that agents <laughs> will try it. to add on. Yeah. Which is interesting. Branding in the mix. Because down like where I am, um, you, you see it too. Like I, maybe I pay attention too much, but like I go, okay, that's XYZ realtor. Oh, that's XYZ because of the color. Like you recognize the branding to that sign. Mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you mm-hmm. if they're Keller Williams or Coldwell or, or whoever they are, but I'm like, oh, that's, that's rich. That's Sandy because I've seen the mm-hmm. signs. Um, it also helps that the certain people dominate this area, but that also could be like, oh, well, they got the sign. They're branded. Like they have that zip code. Yep. This everyone would potentially have the exact same color sign, I guess. Yeah. Everyone yeah. Now the same you can sign. change the color of the rings, I believe, uh, to, to show different, like this is sold or available. Um, and they want to do an all mm-hmm. digital version that could be updated remotely. But um, a couple of the things that this sign does that you can't tell just by looking at it is it does have beacon technology in it. So when you approach the sign, it will send a notification to your phone. That's very cool. Uh, uh, and I'm, I'm not certain if it's at any time or if you have the Compass app installed, which if that's the case, that'd be a big, well, not everyone's going to have that, right? Versus Zillow or Realtor.com mm-hmm. installed um, or the Realtor.com app. Uh, so it pops up a notification that you can then press and get information on the listing. It also has, which this really cracks me up actually, is it has a QR code built into the base of it. It's awesome. That I guess would be unique per sign because it's imprinted on the sign itself. It's not part of the listing detailed that's information. That's yeah. That's, and I just feel like QR codes have, have jumped the shark. No one's really focused on QR technology anymore. No. And then the biggest drawback that I see besides the size and the readability is that it has a battery in it that will notify the agent when it needs to be recharged. Now, hopefully that battery lasts a long time. Um, yes. But if, I mean, we just know, right? We can't keep brochure boxes filled with flyers. We're certainly going to have a hard time coming back and recharging a sign or, or swapping out the battery for it. Um, That could be a hard part. The other thing that's interesting in the article that it talks about is just sign regulations being so particular in different parts of the country that they may have a harder time than expected rolling this out um, because different areas have, you know, strange rules about where it can and can't be placed. Um, So it uh, good for them for trying something new and investing Mm -hmm. in innovation. We're not trying to poo poo that at all. I just think, um, well, I'm gonna let I'm, we're gonna cut away and play you the uh, kind of commercial that they have around the sign, and then we'll come right back. 
with design in our DNA and technology at our core. Compass is committed to improving the real estate experience for agents and their clients. Now we're taking that commitment one step further. Connected, intelligent, and illuminating. Introducing the real estate sign, reimagined. When you listen to that commercial and some of the PR that they've gotten about this totally revolutionizing everything, you know, that's where, I mean, good again for them for getting the press. And really, I think Compass has designed this sign and the way that they go to market to attract agents of a particular type to yeah. them. Right. That's what a that's what a brokerage agency wants is get as many realtors on the team, agents on the team, so that they can grow and expand and get as many listings. So this definitely would attract a certain type of agent. There's no doubt about oh, that. Sure. And they're only um a thousand dollars. That's not too bad, right? Yeah, that'll that'll never get knocked over by someone on the lawn um, or stolen. Right? That's right. I saw the price, yeah. I'm like, it's anticipated and yeah, we we'll jump onto the next news topic, but I'm like, how's that a thousand dollars? Like, it's a ring LED thing, <laughs> a beacon, which beacon like they're fairly cheap as far as if you were to yeah. pay for a service with one. And I'm mm -hmm. like, that seems really expensive. Yeah, interesting. Yep. But again, good job innovating beyond yes. just making better ads. I think there's potential there for sure. Uh, what's this last one about oh, here? This one is here. fun. It is so Facebook is testing AR augmented reality ads um, right in your newsfeed so that you could essentially, so it's two things. They're testing this AR technology and they're helping you create new videos. So the AR side, they're starting that with fashion brands first. So like sunglasses, you could then click the ad and then see them on you. So that's really cool. So I think the potential to, for that yeah. to transfer over to homes is definitely there. I don't know if that's a year out or if that's five years out. You know, who, who knows what the timeline. Let me, let me pause though and ask you this example they give is Michael Kaur, um did ads with sunglasses. Mm -hmm. Now, when you look at the model wearing the sunglasses on the left image and then the person wearing sunglasses in the AR, does that, like I wonder AR done poorly, does that make you think especially fashion, like, okay, no. Like the ability to lie to yourself and be, if I get these sunglasses, I'm going to look cool. And then you put them on yourself and you look like a cartoon like this lady does. It's a little too... I'm not sure that you're going to want to spend $159 <laughs> on sunglasses it's, anymore. It's, yeah, I think they had a really bad example there. <laughs> but it's a little too Snapchat-y if you're still on Snapchat. Like it's mm -hmm. like almost like there's some music playing and this is some weird filter. Um, but it's really, that's essentially what it is. It's if you're used to any of the Snapchat or Facebook or, or Instagram filters like that, where it does the AR overlaid on top of you, that's essentially mm -hmm. what the fashion brand is. But this, it's like, it needs to be a little smaller. It's almost too reflective. So there's definitely some tweaking to do, um, yeah. on that. Now, how would, how would a home builder you think, um, incorporate this kind of stuff Ooh, that was a challenge because i thought about that and i'm like how would this work work with ar because it's not like they can like turn the camera around and like look at a new home in their home right that doesn't you know if you're like the i, I downloaded the um sherwin williams they have the app i forgot the name of it i'll look it up right here they have the app right, where like yeah colorize. colorize yeah you paint your house right there on your phone that would be perfect mm -hmm. for this um, for the home builder, I don't know yet, unless you're, you do on your lot and you could like 
throw different homes on your lot. They have like you need the space. Yeah, or I, I, I feel like you'd have to cut out the background entirely and just transport this person to another place. Yes. Like you know, in selfie mode. Hey, check out the kitchen on the home we're gonna build. Or um, it's almost you know, is, is that AR? Or is that VR? There's so many different acronyms because that's almost like a Matterport type feeling, like where you're in the home. Except, hey, look behind me. That's the beautiful cabinets. Well, the AR part would be you'd actually see your face. You know, you and Lindsay would be in the picture kind of showing everyone the kitchen that you're about to build. happier we are in this home. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that would be take a picture. Here we are. And maybe that would, that'd be cool. I think that would, I don't know. It would be interesting. If it It, would or wouldn't, but that's the only thing I can come up with. Yeah, the scaling would be the weird part. Like, oh, look, we're little, we're Oompa Uh Loompas in this house. This makes no sense. (laughs) Or, Or something. It's. I think there's something there. I don't know when, but it's like, what? what is that there? I don't know. Or I, I guess one other thing, you're right. It would be hard to overlay the current home, but what if there was a way to kind of show a sense of space compared to the space you have now? So here is, you're in your current, you know, 15 by 15 foot kitchen, and you could somehow in a layer semi-transparently show that your new kitchen in comparison to the space is going to look this yeah, much bigger. That would, that, that would be cool. And then you go that if that could happen, we might be moving where where I'm at in Pinellas County. It's land is super expensive. So anything new is just crazy. 45 minutes South or East or North, you get twice as much for what you get. That might get us to move mm-hmm. and be in a different area. Like, look, yeah. If you could see that, visualize that compared to your current space and say, okay, I'm getting this much more kitchen, let alone the rest of the house yep. and on the screen it showed. And that's only going to be, you know, another $150 a month. Yes. You want to come out and see it? Yes, please. That, that would be cool. Current mortgage, estimated new mortgage. Oh, that's Chick-fil-A four times. Awesome. Yep. Okay. Rendering house. Get, get on, on that. That's and then the last John, part of this John, one, which I really snuck in there. Um, Facebook is, uh, they're calling it the video creation kit to help you make better video mm-hmm. ads and videos on Facebook. They didn't really get much details other than using the tool resulted in a 77% increase in performance. Uh, quick note on that. They don't say what performance means. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's always, it's whichever metric I they know. chose. I think what they're trying to do is just say, Hey, in fact, you were showing me one that I think your wife uses um, for what she does. Uh, but they're trying to get people away from these outside apps, correct? And just say, "Hey, build your build your video here instead of, you know, using definitely and whatever Canva." Yeah, there's or a, something there's else a bunch. There's like LumaFusion, which is popular. Yeah, um, yeah. Spend money on distribution versus paying an agency ten thousand dollars to make videos. You know, use this tool, then spend spend the money with us instead. Um, so yep. we'll see. I think that will probably come out first. I'll be interested to see if it's, it looks like it's a retooled, better slideshow creation package that they have. Yeah. Um, just yep. more, I bet you're more control. Right. That'd be nice. Cause there, there's no reason they can't have that. Cause there's the apps on your phone you download. You could make a quick video in like 10 minutes. Um, so throw it on the uh-huh. desktop for Facebook. Pretty cool. All right. That'll do it for the news. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with this week's 360 topic. Stop screwing it up. Uh, the eight cognitive biases that screw up home builder sales and marketing efforts. This one's going to be a lot of fun. We'll be right back. 
And we're back with this week's 360 topic, Stop Screwing It Up. And we're going to just break down these eight cognitive biases. We're going to tell you what they are and say what it is. Then we'll give you a quick example. And then just keep in mind that all this is wrapped around kind of this idea of you're never going to prevent all these from happening, even when you become aware of them. It's just that the more you know, you know, knowing's half the battle. And if as a management team, you guys can all understand that these things exist, then calling it out or at least asking openly the question of, could one of these biases be, be hurting our, um, how, how we're thinking about this challenge ahead of us or this decision that we're trying to make? Definitely. And these come from, we're, going, we're talking about builder examples, but these are like a, going backwards, like a psychology thing we do with everything, mm-hmm. right? As far as it's yep. not like it's biased for builder. <laughs> Filters, yeah, but no. It's like we these, do this in every aspect of our life. Exactly right. And gotcha. I took this back in 2016. I, I took these eight from a list of, gosh, 45. And oh, I wow. just looked at the list of 45 and thought, which ones can I go back to my own experience and say, absolutely, either working with a builder, um, I've seen this happen, or when I was a builder um, myself at any of the three companies I worked at, what kind of things tended to hurt sales and marketing efforts the most? So that's that's where these eight come from. Up first, choice supportive bias. When you make a choice about something, you are likely to feel good about it, even if the choice is flawed. Like how much you think each and every person you hired on your sales team is amazing, even though only 20% consistently meet their goals. That's perfect. Some of the things that people who, who have this bias will say is, you know, I don't do sales training or I don't have a sales manager. I just hire the best and I let them go. And, um, you know, go talk to Jeff Shore or Ryan or Amy or anyone about, you know, just hiring the best and, and letting them all go their own direction and do things their own way. Just ask them how that, that would go. <laughs> uh, not, not a good idea. And we've seen time and time again, once someone does have, again, a process, any process to manage um, sales, salespeople, um, as well as a sales manager, gosh, uh, just one quick example would be a builder who was selling, you know, a handful of homes every month, high-end custom builder, brought in a sales manager after thinking about it for a couple of years. In the very first month, 14 sales. Wow. Just having someone there. Before that, kept hearing the owner say, but I just hired the best and I picked them. So they must be the best, right? Because I, be I picked them. That's choice supportive bias. Definitely. And the numbers don't lie. So. Get your yep. numbers right there. Um, <laughs> all right. I see what you did. I see what you did there. Yeah. It'll come up later. <laughs> um, number two, ostrich effect. Making the choice to ignore negative information by sticking your head in the sand like an ostrich. Like choosing not to post on Facebook anymore because your builder gets consistent negative comments. Might need to fix that. Ownership thinks it must be a marketing problem, right? Oh, I like that one. Um, so example would be, can we prevent comments on Facebook ads? I think a lot of people have probably heard that, especially yep. once they started to spend more than, say they were at $200 a month, fictitious budget on Facebook ads. And like, okay, let's take this seriously. We're going to go to 1500 2000 And they're like, oh, wow, that's like 10 to 20 times more comments. And then maybe some people aren't so happy about anything and everything. And yeah, you can't take those off. So it's it's you can't just put your head in the sand and not you got to you have to face the truth on on what's yeah. going on. The other thing that I think I've talked about before was just 
you know, having members from the production construction team come to me and say, Hey, Kevin, can we change some of the questions on our, on our closing survey related to the construction process and experience and listen to it for a little bit. And then I just kind of smiled at, at them and said, is this because your scores are bad? And they're like, yeah, we just want to, you know, we think we're asking the question wrong and maybe if we just ask it better, um, <laughs> then we don't have to worry about, you know, taking that feedback and learning from it. That would be another example of the ostrich effect. Definitely. Zero risk bias says we love certainty, even if it is counterproductive. When it comes to sales and marketing, continuing to get the same meager results can feel better than making necessary changes with huge results and lower costs. The bottom line is you have to manage risk, not be scared of it. And it's always surprising. Mike Lyon and I have had this conversation many times where someone will hire us to help them get better. Um, and usually in that first conversation, there's a lot of suggestions and, and analysis that's being done. And we say, hey, what, what about this? What about that? Have you considered changing this? And a lot of times there is complete fear of, but then I might not sell you know, the 10 homes that I have been selling. What if that messes it up? And instead of you know, selling 15, 20, 25 homes, I sell eight. And they are just terrified of making a change. And that, you know, that's part of being a partner with them is to kind of push them off, off the cliff, so to speak, and say, this is for your own benefit. And, you know, just some people need that extra push. They're definitely folks listening to this podcast, Andrew, who work for an operations, um, a COO or a division president mm -hmm. who are scared to make changes. And how can you help them overcome that zero risk bias is by telling great stories. Uh, you got to tell great stories with data. And that is the single best thing I've ever found to, you know, help those people who are scared to death of making any change. But you can Definitely. also just point out the elephant in the room at a meeting and say, hey, guys, are we all just scared of, of making any change whatsoever? Yep. And, and I think some of that, as far as the person actually running the ads is, is say you have a bigger project, but doing smaller projects that aren't seemed like a risk and then showing those wins. And, yeah. and then I think that confidence will be like, oh, look, we did X, Y, Z type of things for the past month and everything's been positive. And then when the big project comes like, hey, we need to change all the call to actions on the website. We need to do, we need a new website, whatever it may be. It's like, well, we mm -hmm. did all these things successfully and nothing broke. And we're still doing yep. 20 homes a month. We could probably do that. We we're great. You know, it's yeah, I think it's a good one. Exactly. We call that building street cred. And, you know, you have to do it as a marketer, as a leader in your company. You have to build your own street cred of being able to take those small projects to completion and, and getting those wins. And the other example that came to mind as you were saying that is oftentimes when we talk with them about having all phone numbers not just phone numbers on ads, but phone numbers on signs and other places go to this new home specialist, this online uh, dedicated resource to, to handle all those leads. Um, a lot of times people will say, no, 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 those have to keep going to my sales team. And we just say, sure, no problem. We're not going to, we're not even going to try to push you on that right now. And like you said, we just change everything else. That position does tremendously well. And then the builder just comes back and says, okay, how do I get the more phone calls? Yeah. Well, <laughs> You that know thing that thing we talked about? Yeah, let's let's try that. Okay, I'm, I'll I'll try that now. So absolutely right. Definitely good stuff. 
And number four, blind spot bias. Failing to recognize your own biases is its own trap. It is so much easier to see the biases that others hold. That's why you need to be part of a Builder 20 Club or the Marketing Unicorns or the Market Proof Marketing Facebook group. Check yeah. your ego at the door. That's good. Yeah. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. So I think in this is just, well, one, you need to know you're on the marketing side. You need to know your data. And you need to know, like, is it accurate, is it accurate? And then being able to see what other people do. And then comparing that and like, oh, oh. like back to like, this really ties into the, the one previously. Like, oh, we are doing really well. Or like, oh, we're not doing that good about that one. We should, probably should, should fix that. Instead yep. of thinking like, oh, I, I am doing great. And a particular example on that one is someone who has been on this podcast as a guest. I won't say any names. Oh, um, someone who's right already now. been on. Um, was challenged by uh, myself to take more photos of all of their floor plans and all their inventory homes. And they, and they built quite a few of them. And when I said it, it was kind of like, nope, nope. I mean, that's just too hard. We have too many. We have too many homes that like no one. In fact, what they ended up saying was, Kevin, show me another builder who does it. Now, thankfully, there happened to be another builder sitting at the table who was doing it. <laughs> and so Sweet. we just pulled up their website and said, look, see, they have representative photos underneath all the floor plans taken from models and inventory homes and other things. And they built this library and see, see, they did it. And without that, um, that intervention, so to speak, that person's blind spot was just, no, I tried that before. It's too hard and I'm really good. And so if it was hard for me, then no one may be able to do it. And we all have some blind spot um, for sure. And that's why it's helpful to be as part of a, part of a group that you can openly share and get feedback from and not necessarily in your own company either. Like, like you said, Andrew, yep. the, the Facebook group that we have, um, builder 20 clubs oftentimes are a great place for your owner to get some of that feedback. Um, but you got to get outside feedback from somewhere if you're right. not Just partnering with a group, like, like that you convert. Yep. 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 Next one is the bandwagon effect. The likelihood of adopting a belief based on the number of other people in your circle that hold the same belief. This is especially dangerous when your builder is made up of mostly men when women actually drive the majority of purchasing decisions. <laughs> we, we talked about this a little bit when Elena was on the podcast, but this one always cracked me up of being in a meeting very frequently where the owner uh, or division president or some male figure sits up and says, you know, I don't understand why we have uh, so many pictures of the kitchen. You know, I want to see an exterior or the ad in the newspaper back in the day, Andrew, the newspaper ads had to have at least half of the ad had to be a map with all the dots and all your locations Beautiful dots. listed out. And it was, mm -hmm. it was one male division president thumping his chest at another division president saying, I'm bigger than you. I've got more dots. I've got more locations. And I used to tell him, look, women don't love these things. At, generally speaking, women do not like maps. They don't find them interesting. They don't find them compelling. They would rather see a listing by school district with price information and in these other formats, just as an example. Mm -hmm. But it was really hard because, yeah. Half the other guy, more than half, the majority of the people sitting in the room were also guys who loved maps. Nice. <laughs> um, so just being careful that, you know, I guess the other funny way I would say this is if your culture is poor, everyone's just going to play follow the leader. 
Mm-hmm. And that can be really dangerous if that leader doesn't have a Facebook account themselves and still reads the Sunday paper from front to back. Then, then they get up there and say, why are we spending all this money on social media? This, is, this isn't doing anything for us that I can tell. And then everyone just is afraid to push back and just gets on the bandwagon because they're scared of their own jobs. That is perfect. And that ties into number one, where like, if I read the paper, everyone reads the paper. That's the right thing to do. Everyone's in the Exactly paper. right. It's a whole circle. Exactly All right. right. Mm-hmm. So number six is anchoring bias. You tend to over-rely on the first piece of information you hear. This is because making a choice of any kind is hard, but reversing your previous perception is even harder, especially, I think, if you vocalize that out loud. This, is, yep. this bias is only a negative if you believe this world changes rapidly. So this is like reading a headline. And I think this happened to a lot of people during the Facebook privacy issues. Like if they were uh-huh. thinking about, ooh, should we pull our money? Should we stop? Should we do something different with that? Because I saw headlines of Facebook and negativity and just are we being associated with, with that? And that could be any situation. But I think nowadays it's the headline is where people are getting their very first piece of information about something, but they're not actually looking at what what it is that that they need to or not need to do. Yep. And and anchoring is particularly about the first piece of information that you hear. And so the other example that I use a lot is Pokemon Go. I mean, it was taken over. I mean, Nintendo stock was going up crazy amounts of money. Everyone's trying to catch them all everywhere. And there's all these articles on USA Today and CNN and major publications like Forbes saying, you know, businesses are scrambling to take advantage of this hot new trend. And even though builders would then reach out immediately to me and say, hey, I saw this article, what do you think? And I could just tell when I told them that one, it wasn't possible and two, it was a bad idea. They, were, they didn't like me for saying that. They weren't like, oh, thanks for saving me time and money, Kevin. It was kind of a, but I really, I got excited about this new thing that I could do based upon the, this first piece of data that I had, even though at the end of the day, hopefully they trust me more than CNN in terms of what they should be doing. Hopefully it was still hard for them to to wrap their head around the fact that I was, I was not recommending that they try to try to chase that trend. Definitely. Uh, Information bias is number seven. And this one is perhaps the most pervasive, um, at least from leadership is they just want more and more and more and more reports that no one looks at. And they either have like an entire human being whose life is dedicated to just organizing and compiling these reports. Or the other crazy thing to me is they are changing systems that are working well, um, even more than working well, putting them at the leading edge of their own marketplace uh, or the business that they're doing. And they will change multiple systems just at the hope of getting a little bit more granular information than they have now. And they're not paying attention to the information they already have. (laughs) But at its basis, information bias is the tendency to seek mountains of data that does not affect meaningful action. It's just a security blanket. makes them feel good that they could go look at that information if it was there. And the key here is that more information is not always helpful. And it lowers the efficiency of your team who is collecting data that is never properly used. And, and so sometimes you miss these huge opportunities. In fact, you know, Andrew, when, when Mike and I go out or Jen to visit a builder, I know you're going to visit a builder in October, November? Mm-hmm. Uh, October, yeah. 
usually the within the first hour or two, something that is not on our agenda, not on anyone's radar, they just they're totally oblivious to this thing happening or not happening, strikes me smack in the face. And it's because it's not on their dashboard. It's not something that they're paying attention to, but it's to me coming from the outside, it's just like, how are you not seeing this amazing opportunity in front of you? And a lot of that just comes because there's too much information. They, they're they obsessed with how the dashboard looks and what's the owner going to think, but if, no one's taking actual action. Um, so there's two parts there or three, too much information, yeah. the wrong type of information mm-hmm. and not taking any action on the information. So would you say the owner or leadership should have completely different reports than the person in marketing? Like actually yes. do it and they, the leadership should never see the nerdy stuff like, oh, we could get that. Oh, we could get that too. Because you could get yep. anything for the most part. Like hour you, of the day leads come in. Like, oh, we need to only advertise between 3 p.m. and 4.30 p.m. It's like, well, it doesn't yes. really work like that, even though you yes. see those numbers. But seeing that could be really dangerous. Uh, in so many, we could, we could, and maybe we should do a whole other episode just on ways you can mess things up with information. That'd be fun. Because an example of this is uh, where an owner saw a marketing report and saw that the best performing leads were coming from organic traffic. Not a surprise, right? That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so their mandate to the team from seeing that data was, we are only going to focus on organic from this point forward. Now, the problem is they were in a smaller market. And even if they got the majority of organic traffic, it would not be enough to support the volume of sales that was on their goal. Mm-hmm. And so now they're stuck because this person made a quick snap decision, anchored on that information. And now they were dictating strategy to the team who knew way better than them that they needed to supplement with AdWords and with um, social media and with, with, the, with content marketing, et cetera. And that wasn't going to happen. Another one from the sales end that we all know is the more transparent we are with salespeople about their conversion ratios and traffic numbers and all that stuff, a funny thing starts to happen, Andrew. Thank Suddenly, you. there is fewer traffic units coming through the door. Their numbers suddenly, (laughs) yeah. Suddenly, their numbers start to get better, and sometimes, every once in a while, no one listening to this podcast, but sometimes I've had the experience where someone will sell two homes on one traffic unit, and they're not related, right? So that's awesome. You know, it's important to have transparency, but it's also important to understand who's the best audience for all types of information, and especially for executives, you are better off showing them an entire dashboard of only three points of data than overloading them with stuff that they aren't even going to look at or could make false assumptions without without your analysis being there. Definitely. And I would even say for the for us marketers, our starting point should always be as limited as possible as well. Because we could get really stuck mm-hmm. in the weeds, especially depending on our personalities. Like, oh, I could get this, like I could shave off 2% our cost per lead. And if I do that each week or every month within a year, like, wow, we're we're doing great or something, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it may be. And then yeah. it's like, oh, we're chasing like pennies when we're selling homes for 200 Or, 000, you know, 000, we'll million. just role play. Let's say you're doing that with AdWords. And then I walk around the corner and say, 
hey, Andrew, how's our Facebook ads doing? You're like, oh, we don't have time for that. I'm just optimizing AdWords all day long. I mean, it's it's all crazy. Day. We just, but we're getting, we, we're 2% better than last week. We don't, we're not on Facebook is, at all. <laughs> I say this, yeah. half a cent per click. It's amazing. Yeah, uh-huh. um, definitely, definitely. And All right, bring us home. What's number eight? Last one. Conservatism bias. When you favor prior evidence over new evidence or information that things are changing. Remember how long it took and how hard it was for you to stop advertising the newspaper, radio, or TV? You did stop, didn't you? (laughs) Well, maybe. (laughs) Who knows? Um, This one, speaking digital side, is, and really Facebook has been crazy like the past year year and a half um we've overhauled things three times which has been a lot mm-hmm. of fun but each time it's like okay it's time to do it again it's time to do it again it's time to do it again and versus hanging on to like oh well that should be the best one that's what this says it is and yeah you can't you just i don't know for me this you just have to be willing to put in the work and, and change if the new evidence is showing hey you you better you better change or you don't be what you're doing now is going to be terrible even worse yep. than it than it is. In essence, this is the if you're doing an A B test and B is clearly beating A, and you're like, yeah, but A used to do better, so let's on. give it another, yeah, <laughs> give it another three more months. I remember one time someone telling, I was on a call with an agency and a client, and the agency was currently handling AdWords, and their statement was, well, we're only three months into this campaign. So we know it's not working, but we got to give it more time. (laughs) You're like, like, no, you don't. You need to make a change. Yeah. So it does. Yeah. Especially with AdWords, it doesn't work like that. Like it works or doesn't work. Um, Yeah. This is going to sound terrible. I got to think of a better phrase to use, but you're kind of trying to time the market in the sense of you're trying to see. At uh, what point is the decline that I'm seeing worth the pain of change? And conservative bias basically just says, it's, we're not going to, you know, there's the phrase, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Conservative bias can take it to the point of, uh, don't change it until we're like been blown off the map with a nuclear bomb. Exactly. Like until, until we are completely dead, we're just going to keep, I mean, I would talk to someone today, Andrew, who um, was justifying to me why they have added a 10% increase in print um, newspaper. And this is not age-targeted community either. It was just, hey, we, you know, this seemed like a great deal and we're going we're gonna to do this because you know, this, the salespeople were, were asking for it and um, the division president kind of, and, and they're going back to this old prior evidence of newspapers you know, still being relevant. Interesting. That's crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. yeah i think for the on the on the digital side you could see your numbers change and maybe you get to the point where like and think about cars like you had to jump start the car once maybe twice and then at that point you're like oh, okay it might be time to really really fix this yep. thing um mm-hmm. but if it's still running fine and you haven't had to do that even though yeah you have to find your your pain threshold but if the numbers are still working then it's still working it's not like all right, emergency, delete everything, work yep. 48 hours straight, rebuilding. Yeah, that's, that's hard. And this part. is a bias, to be honest, this is probably of eight, one of the things that I struggle with the most because I'm an overly skeptical, analytical-minded individual. So mm-hmm. when I see a trend or something changing, uh, especially if it's something totally new, I'm kind of like, yeah, but 
and I look for all the reasons why that couldn't work. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if you're overly skeptical or analytical, this can be a particular weak spot for you, I think. But at the end of the day, um, all the reasons why you're skeptical, those other times where something was going to happen and change it all. And it was a, um, Steve that we talked about this with, you know, mobile websites were going to change everything. Having your website in Spanish was going to change everything. And so you get kind of hardened to that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Those and being a skeptic makes you better at especially, especially I think digital because the, the, the data is instant. Hype. You put an ad up, it's right there. Mm-hmm. And so being skeptic of everything helps you do it better, I think. But then, yep. yeah, if you're too skeptic, you're like, ah, well, we did that. It's working well, but eh, maybe it's not. Yeah, that was all eight. All right. Well, that that does it for this week's 360 topic. Uh, we have a graphic in the uh, Market Proof Marketing Facebook group of all eight of these. You can print out. Um, some people already have. Laura. Um, Laura downloaded it, printed it out within five minutes and said she sent it to all of her leadership team. Awesome. So feel free to to follow her lead. Uh, let's hop over to the question or the answers to the question of the week from last week, which was all about um, budgets up here. and what percentage of your marketing budget is dedicated towards digital. So the exact question, what percent of your marketing budget is spent on digital or online? That includes PPC, SEO, website, content, photos, renderings, et cetera, CRM, call tracking, et cetera. So everything that's directly with the website. And the results are, we had, um, I wish we had percentages broke down on here. Well, yeah, vast, vast in a way, far in a way, almost everybody was over 55% of their budget is on digital, which is, which was great to see. Um, one individual was in the 45 to 55% range and one was at 25 to 45. Um, and so that is, I'm just going to be honest with you. It is not representative. It might be representative of the audience of this podcast. That is not representative of home builders in general. Um, it was just two years ago that I asked all the marketing people at the online summit to raise their hand if they were spending over 50% and you know, like half of the room was doing it. So good job to those of you who are, but that is not representative of, of home builders as a whole. At all. Definitely. Yep. And I liked Brian yeah, Hamilton's comment. <laughs> so our original budget before I arrived had us at 25% digital and 42% print. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's some great opportunity for Brian to become a superstar uh, by making that change. Yeah, it's almost a, it's almost like, a good thing to start a position somewhere like that where you're like, I know my I can I can go positive on this thing. That's all you uh-huh. be the hero. Absolutely. And he has a gif of uh, Jim Halpert from The Office. So plus 10 points for that because that's probably my favorite show, <laughs> I would think. Yeah. Thanks to everybody for, for voting in that poll. This week's question of the week is, of those eight biases we just talked about, is there one of those biases that you see builders that you interact with, not necessarily the builder you work for, but other builders in the marketplace, people you know um, in the industry struggle with more than another? Again, I... I think that information bias is big because a lot of people um, at the top don't understand the creative or strategic or tactical aspects of what marketing and advertising and branding Mm -hmm. do. So they just lean back into that information. 
Any thoughts from the builders that, that you've worked with, Andrew, that you see? Ooh, I am biased, um, but I feel like outside of our partners, I feel like number three would actually be the zero risk bias would be quite common because uh -huh. that requires yep. one, an investment of money to make change typically, but also a lot of trust to make any change that is bigger versus like, hey, we tried a new image on a Facebook ad. Neat. Like. That's that's cool, but that's not that's not going to be like the thing, or one of the bigger thing that will move move the needle um, too much. Yeah. But, so actually doing something big like oh we don't have an OSC we've been thinking about it for eight years, maybe we should do that now. That's you know those types of things. I think that might be, I think it might be number three. But yeah, uh, I I would you're you're convincing me very quickly because. A different version of number three would be, you know, we hear this all the time too. Well, I tried that for two weeks and it didn't work, so we're never yeah. going to do that. Yeah, which would be like, <laughs> that ties into number six, like your very first piece of information. Uh -huh. like, And that's a good one. I, I was thinking about that the other day. Like, your very first, you should never make, I was trying to think of a good quote, and it was something that I was doing. Like, the very first time you do anything new is going to be terrible. Like, so like, just get it over with. Like, it's going to be awful. Like, get it, just get it done. And don't judge based on that very first one. So hop in the, to the Facebook group. Uh, give us your answer. You may get a prize, but you will definitely read your answer back for everyone else to um, enjoy. That'll do it for this week, unless you've got uh, an extra joke well, or story. I wish you I had more jokes. Andrew. I wish I had more jokes, but I do have one quick story. But let's do another second story time. Um, All right. Let's yeah, do it. It's, it's, it's not even an exact story, but... I've been testing a lot more. For some reason, this is like coming soon community season or something. Like we need a new hashtag for that, like coming uh -huh. soon season. I don't know. And so it's <laughs> like, I feel like last week I'm like, I had like three. Like this is crazy. This is awesome. And like a day. And some builders with like more than one at the same time. Super cool. Super excited for them. Um, so just testing different things on Facebook to get leads. And it's, it's fun. Yeah. Just seeing, seeing the process. So what I think everyone should do is make sure they understand how pixels work on Facebook. Cause without that knowledge of how they actually work, doing all like the cool testing stuff doesn't, you can't do it. Um, I think that's a, a thing that people mm -hmm. might be missing out on just because it's like, Hey, we added the pixel to our website. Cool. Check it off the list. And, and then what? <laughs> and so tying that to right. your ads and then seeing, the performance differences and ads will give you things to build up your trust. Like, Hey, we've been testing this and that will help you get to uh, number three on the list of the zero risk bias. I'm like, Hey, we've had these wins over the past month. Let's do this bigger change. Um, but yeah, so Facebook pixel, make sure you understand it. I guess. I don't think many people do. Okay. Why not? You, you told an extra story. I'm going to tell an extra awesome. story. And I, I, I say it at the risk of making people annoyed that we're being coy. We promise we won't be by the time the summit comes no. around. But um, the way that we're doing Facebook ads right now, fantastic results. But what's crazy is that in analytics, despite using UTM codes and all the proper tracking metrics, unless we're using a landing page, we often don't get to see actual conversion data that gives credit to Facebook. And so going back to these biases, you would say, well... Analytics doesn't doesn't prove that Facebook ads are doing anything to get us this additional lead volume. Now, the lead volume has happened, and without us doing the same process for all of the builder partners we work with at essentially you know the same general time period, mm -hmm. um, 
you would look at this and just say, oh, that's interesting. More leads came in, but they're not being attributed to Facebook. The only reason that we know and can develop the theories that we're working on now is because we know when we made the change and nothing else changed and they got a 20% increase in their lead volume. And the fact that that has happened for builder after builder after builder in the same time is I can look at that information and say, yep, but it's not telling me the truth. It's giving all the credit to direct traffic or to organic traffic, which is also interesting, um, not Facebook. And the reason the theory there is because people are seeing the ad on their phone where 95% of all of the social ads are being viewed and interacted with. And then they're coming back on another device and either doing an organic search for the builder that they were looking at on their phone or going there directly and then converting. But I just find it very interesting that even though we are doing things, quote unquote, the right way to track, it's still the information could lie to you if you had uh, a bias towards you know not trusting uh, what you're actually seeing in front of you in terms of what's in your CRM and the leads coming in. That's and where it's coming from That's in right. analytics. I, I like that. That is very exciting. That um, that made my day. That is great news. <laughs> Those, yeah. yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Oh, <laughs> uh, that'll do it for this week. Thanks again for joining us. We'll be back next week with a special guest for published articles, blog posts, videos, and more. Check out doconvert.com. It's also the best place to find out how to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and the rest. Um, Mike has a new blog post up. I have a new blog mm-hmm. post. Uh, Jen's got one coming next week. All kinds of content. I, I feel pretty confident in saying that no one is putting out as much, at least original content as we are. And we're doing it to try to help you guys. So go check it out. See ya. And we'll see you next week. 